0: In the following live session recording, John Oliver, youth pastor with Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia, talks about connecting in the community. John has a heart for reaching influencers of students through campus ministry and helping leaders leverage their uniqueness in reaching students. In this session, the listener will discover how to grow the kingdom and your church by being an influencer in your community. Let's
1: join John now. Uh, before we get started, I'd love to uh, to pray, and then for us just to take a few minutes, just to talk through through these questions. I think this is going to really this will be beneficial and impactful for where we're going to go during our time together. And so we we'll, we will need to establish this, these things so that we can talk amongst ourselves about it. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get rolling. Right? Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you and. We say say thank you for who you are. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that you've made for us, for the way that you've pursued us and still continue to do so, Lord, for the responsibility of ministry and for entrusting us with your people. Uh, God, be with us as we talk over this course of this next hour, uh, just about who we are, who you've created us to be, who you've entrusted us with, the uniqueness that you've given us and uh, the uniqueness of ministry context that we have. And uh, Lord, I just pray that during this time that you would strengthen us, uh, that you would give us clarity, that you would give us energy and enthusiasm. And God, more than that, I pray that we would leave here looking more and more like the image of your son, Jesus. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, So we've kind of gone around a little bit and just talked, but I'd love for you to just kind of say, you know, who you are, uh, the church that you serve at, the role that you serve in that, and then how long you have been in student ministry uh, or curious about student ministry or or whatever, so. Uh,
0: I'm Michael, I'm from Rosemont Baptist Church, not his Rosemont, I'm from Wainsborough, Georgia. Um, I've been there for three
2: years now now, as the minister to families. I'm just uh, moved from overseas a year and a half ago with a heart for international students that may feel lost in a, as strangers in a strange land and my wife and I uh, are making inroads to the, the, uh, Georgia Southern like University. My name is Nell Sanders, I'm the host for Walker Sanders,
3: we're the Grace Baptist Church in Eastwood. Uh, we have worked with youth, and we presently teach uh, the little children, first and second grade. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and we've been doing it. I've probably been doing it twenty years.
1: That's awesome.
3: And um, uh, and I know just to give a little brief testimony. I know that whatever you do, do it sincerely in
4: prayer. That's right.
3: Because we were one through visitation. And we never even talked to no When they was a pastor, some more people from this church came to visit us. um, And we actually sent sent our order to the door because we just thought it was somebody we didn't sell the person we would not talk to, them or whatever. But anyway, we could see our daughter. But anyway, all it was was a pastor and some more people from the church left us a fire, invited us to church. Praise God. We found that church when that day was over, and we have not stopped yet. That's it
5: has awesome.
3: Been about years ago.
5: That's
1: awesome.
3: Um, I go to
6: Jefferson Street, Baptist church in Dublin. Um, I'm not really head of any ministry there. I mean, we have a small church, so I'm
1: just an active parent and kids meet me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, if I could just encourage you in that. So, I didn't have a student pastor until I was... I had one for a half of a semester in 8th grade, and I had one for... Um, A year my senior year but I was already checked out on him at that point the most impactful relationship in student ministry in my life was a sixth grade Sunday school teacher who just volunteered his time and was the first person other than my dad to tell me he loved me and so I first male outside of my family to do that so just don't ever undersell what you do that is a huge that's awesome So just to take a minute to say that to
6: you. Um, I'm Cindy Rich from Mill, Georgia, down the road go uh, to Oak Hill Baptist. I'm actually an elementary school teacher also. This is my 37th year teaching. Wow. [3] Um, I've been involved with different levels of kids at the church, but been involved with the youth for 17 years between uh, being a Sunday school teacher or like a fill in when we didn't have a youth minister and the parents had to step in and fill into that position. We're um, kind of in that position right now. We don't have a youth minister, so we're all just stepping up again, trying to help our youth where yep. they need
1: it. Awesome, awesome, awesome.
6: Lynn Gardner, uh, my home is Collins, Georgia. Member of First Baptist College there. I teach and direct the Evans County Christian Learning Center. Uh, we partner with the high schools in Claxton and the middle school. I, so I have two accredited classes school
1: classes and one middle school class, and
4: been in youth ministry for about 30, 35 years. Okay. you want to go? Yeah, I'm Jody from uh, Eagle Baptist, we i up up in York, uh, Georgia as so, well. Uh, i senior pastor there, Just looking for ways to, uh, to assimilate some new kids. Yeah. Programs. Absolutely. I'm uh, Richard Fowler from uh, Eagle Baptist Church, and I'm, uh, I guess, an outreach. Team
1: leader right now. i just trying to figure out how to feel the people in. And that was my third yes. grade teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, we will I'll definitely. I am, oh
1: Lord. <laughs> we will definitely talk about that. And the thing I'm excited about is I really believe you guys will leave here with practical ways that are going to fit your community that's not going to fit anybody else's. And that's the same for everybody. So it's just some of the practical things we'll talk about will really, uh, really help frame a really good picture for us.
0: Kieran Reed, I've been the student pastor at First Baptist St. Mary's for two years. Well, I'm his wife, Brad,
6: and i been helping for
1: two years. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and then what about you?
5: I'm Mark Santana and I'm at Calvary Baptist Church in Justin. Yeah. I've been there
1: for about two and a half years about doing student ministry for about twelve. Wow, that's
5: awesome. What
1: else do you do? That's okay. that's really it. <laughs> that's really it. But you can um, you can lead us off on this number number two here. So um is your biggest ministry win last year and why? What we can do with these, we don't have to go one by one, but we can just pop up throughout the room. So what I mean by biggest ministry win is uh, it could be something as small as a kid who was a fringe kid who didn't want anything to do with the ministry and you really saw him really connect or her really connect in the ministry and is now on a totally different path than they were a year ago, that can be a huge win. Or uh, you did you did something that was a little bit different or and it and it just hit or, or whatever. Just talk about something that, that you really believe was a big ministry win for you and then why? Oh
3: with us uh, we had a group to go to Super Bowl mm-hmm. and it took a lot of our church members but we took some that you know they had been coming some but not a whole lot but anyway they was three boys and triplets two of them got saved in Super Bowl. That's awesome and one of them got saved the last one got saved a couple of weeks after they come back from Super Bowl our pastor, he's the first time you ever got baptized triplets all together, you
1: know. I would imagine that doesn't get to happen very often.
3: No, but it was good, and they are so dedicated. You know, if as adults, if we would be half as dedicated as triplets there's no telling us what we could do. You know, but they are they are really dedicated.
6: Right. Last year, uh, I was teaching two high school classes counselor is a Christian at the high school. So when she would have a problem child or something other, she would just send them to my class. And and they're, we're open to Christians, non-Christians, as long as their parents sign off them to participate at the learning center. We're with them. And the parents signed off with them to come. And I had one, two that had transferred from Miami, Florida. And one that just was just rebellious as all get out first two weeks of them in my class, it was a little bit uncomfortable, but after about two weeks of us being consistent in God's standards, uh, those kids, I saw them saved, and I saw them changed, and it, uh, it was a God thing. It had nothing to do with me. It was just having those Godly standards and keeping them there, and them realizing that, that I and Lord loved them as they were, but they had to abide by their standards. And so it's just been neat yeah. working with the public school system and seeing how the Lord being able to make a difference in our community.
5: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> you no, know, could also be that you now have more volunteers than you did this time last year. Uh, it could be that you have less volunteers, you know? So um, <laughs> um, it, wins could, could come in any shape and sizes, and a lot of the times, I believe the reason we have a hard time answering what our biggest win is is because we're so caught up in what our hurdles are, right? But Robbie Gallaty is a pastor of Long Hollow up in, up in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, and he says that what we celebrate, we replicate. And so, really and truly our our conversations <laughs> with the people in our ministries, our conversations with the people in our church surrounding our ministries. We don't need to just talk about, man, we got this coming up and it's just gonna be, you know, the, I think a lot of the times people are scared of student ministry because every time they talk about it, all they're hearing are the needs. They're not hearing the wins. You know, we don't, we don't do a good job as the church talking about our wins and things of that nature. And so, you know if, if what we celebrate we replicate and that, that is true then we need, to be, we need to create a culture where we're talking about things that are exciting and where you know we are I think it's as simple as in, in creating a culture where there's wins it's as simple as just identifying some low-hanging fruit in your ministry where maybe there's a kid who you've noticed who is really really uncomfortable in talking out loud who hates reading the Bible out loud then we'll absolutely clamshell up if they do. And over the course of time, you see that they kind of start coming out of there, you're encouraging them in that, and then all of a sudden, that kid is volunteering to pray or whatever. Like that's a win. And that is a huge win, and that is something that you're very aware of, but they may not think anybody else sees. And they just take a thank you note, you know? I would encourage you, do not text them on that. (coughs) Write them a note, write them a handwritten note, put it in the mail and say, hey, I just want you to know, Jacob, that I really know that that was, that was hard for you, that that was really out of the box for you, and I'm so proud of you for doing that. And, you know, like that is creating a culture of winning where that kid from that point on knows, man, she knows, she's paying attention. That's exciting for them, you know, like that. that's creating a culture of winning where you're encouraging students to, to continue to grow in, in really small ways. Did you have your hand raised on one?
5: Yeah I was gonna say we had a testimony service a couple of weeks ago. It may have been last Sunday night. We had like in our big Sunday night service with all the adults as students, we had five students stand up and share something about it with their life. And that's amazing and three of the five students never talked. Yeah. And they were like, you know I don't normally talk but God's really telling me to say this. Yeah. And, and like all the adults were just applauding and excited for the students and we reinforced that in them. You know, the students are paying, or the adults are paying attention, and they're encouraging. I've got so many compliments about students since that happened. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: You know, Jesus recognized the leadership potential in teenagers, mm-hmm. but oftentimes our churches don't. And so that's a fantastic opportunity right there, just to say, "Man, look at what God's doing here." So that's great. Anybody
0: else? Um, this last year, one of our youth he is really involved in FFA, like showing animals cows go to yep. and all that I'm from the city so it made no sense to me but I told him he had a show nearby so I said I'll, I'll see I'll go out there I'll see what your what's about And as I was there his mom and they've been to over since I've been here and, uh, she said hey my best friends and, and her three kids really need church and go to church and I walk her to come ours and I've worked on her for the last three or four years and she won't commit to it I said, okay so I knew that coming in and so they were there and they were showing as well. Still don't understand what the point of show a go is, but learning every day from them and, uh, and talk with the mom and talk with the kids. And uh, ever since then, they've been in like every youth group since. That's awesome. Uh, since then. And they, one of them went to camp with us. Uh, still go to their shows when they're you know, fairly close and, and seeing them. And They know I have no clue what's going on and really no interest, but they know that being there, it really just was showing, I really care about the kids and you know, what they do about Christ. And because I care about them, the mom's like, I need to be in church too. And she mm-hmm. hasn't missed a uh, Bible study since. I and mean, she's there every Wednesday with her Bible study in her mm-hmm. group. Um, so that's the biggest win that we've seen this last year, just seeing those people come and weren't there. Yeah.
1: You know, so. That's awesome. You know, people vote with their presence more than they vote with their words. And that's the same on the other foot for us. So. A lot of times when we're just telling them, hey, I support you, I support you, I support you, but our presence isn't mirroring that same image. And so that's good, so keep doing that stuff. And equipping your leaders to do that as well, right? Because you're gonna exhaust yourself if you're the only one doing it. Right. So the biggest hurdle that you see in front of you this year? So biggest hurdle for me for instance uh, and i got to get rid of this chair because it's annoying me keeps making noise um biggest hurdle for me this year is we went from a ministry uh, we went from a ministry who has run about 60 to 65 on average to a ministry of um, we had last year we had as many as 181 um, and as low as like 80 85 and so we have uh, not because of us um, it just it's, exploded and we don't really have a good reason as to why it did, um, but we have a space issue. So when we had 60 it was like not a problem, we had more than enough leaders, we had all of these things and now it's um, the middle schoolers are way too close to the high schoolers, which wasn't a problem because when they had the space they could separate, but now um, when there's 80 high schoolers in the room you know there's 80 high schoolers in the room and everybody does. So um, we have got to figure out a way to create new spaces with the same square footage and create some separation and create some, um, some opportunities for mentorship and, and some different things like that. And so we're trying to figure out how can we restructure our evenings to maximize square footage, but without just adding adults, you know, because the worst thing to do is just to say, hey, we have a need here the first one that pops up is fantastic you know like I'm so desperate for more adults I'm just bringing somebody in right that's the that's the bad thing you don't ever bring in any leader you bring in the right one and so um, those are so that's a hurdle for us this year uh, a big hurdle for us this year is maximizing square footage and then also getting the right leaders in place and I joked about sometimes a win is losing leaders um, Secretly, I'm celebrating that we lost three leaders from last year to this year because new culture has dictated that they don't fit anymore, and they're not willing to step up to our standard, and so um, that can also be a win. Uh, But now I'm challenged with I have the same amount of students, and I don't have those three leaders, so I'm putting more strain on people, so I've got to get the right people in, so so that's a hurdle for us. Um, Anybody have anything? volunteers
4: volunteers uh, well
3: i know with us i think one of the hurdles that we have is kind of like what you were saying because our community has just been blessed to have uh, a class like you said you teach in our church uh we got eighth grade middle school coming to our church every morning to take that class, and, you know, we had to give up one of our Sunday school classes, you know, just for them, which, I mean, we're grateful, we, we pray that it grows, you know, um, but we had to, they started it slow, we're doing just eighth grade right now, but next year we hope it will be the middle school and high school, too. You know, Lord will provide everything else that we need, I know, you know, but it's just, you know, awkward trying to Maneuver everything because uh, we had to kind of combine some classes, uh, which is not a bad thing, but you know, it's just something that we
5: got to get through,
1: you know. Right. Anybody else? I just drink better to parents. I just drink better to parents. Absolutely. That's awesome that you see that that's a hurdle that needs to be tackled. We are. Uh, I was talking to a guy earlier. We're starting a parent conference this year. And um, so I'd love to get your contact before we leave today and kind of see. I
5: actually tried that at our church. Yeah. But we have maybe two two parents, something about, about 60 or 65 students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to make things available. But I think the, the issue that I have is, you know, we focus all of our attention on students, and we have anywhere from 60. Students on Wednesday night, and it's enough trying to figure out who all these kids are, the personalities, what their dislikes and likes are, and then on top of that, you've got you know a parent or two attached to that child right. to, to figure out how to minister with them as well. And so I've got to figure out how to build those relationships with parents while still ministering to students and show them that they're just as important as your students. Right. Time. There's some
1: practical <laughs> things that you can do throughout the week. We can talk about that after. I don't want to monopolize our time doing that, but. Let's talk after. So there's some practical things you can do on a weekly basis. And then there's, with the parent conference, there's some strategic times you can place it throughout the year where you're already occupying the whole family. And so it just makes sense for them to join in. So um, this'll be, we did it at our church in Nashville and it was it was very helpful. And uh, so let's talk about that before today. Seven of
5: our
1: big girls. Is- when I got there, most of our
0: group were 8th graders, getting ready to start 8th grade, and now they're juniors, and I have a whole new sub- set 7th graders coming in, mm-hmm. and so these juniors are like, they're so used to being the group, and now they're having to be the leaders of the group, yep. and in um, the, the first few weeks, they haven't known how to kind of be that, because they didn't have anybody like that when, when we started out. so challenging them to like be that leader, those leaders that the, the, the younger kids need to see. Yep. Um, that's the that's new hurdle that's appeared recently.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, all right, the last question, and then we're gonna jump in here, but this one is really gonna frame our time together. So if the church closed its doors tomorrow, not gonna reopen, what would the community miss?
6: Our church in the Overage Basketball.
1: That's our outreach to the community. Basketball.
6: And if we closed our church, that wouldn't be available. It's a good ministry.
5: It is.
1: So here's what I want you to do is I want you to write down that question. Um, I want you to write down that question, and I want you to constantly be asking this question. Because if we were to sit in a room together a year from now, my hope would be that you would know the answer to this, and it's okay that you don't right now. Because honestly, when the first time I was asked this question, it was totally not on my radar, and now it's constantly (laughs) on the radar. And because this question is on my radar now, the way that i do ministry the way i think about ministry and the way that we do ministry the way that i lead leaders the way that everything changes because of this question and while you're writing this down go ahead and write down these three words culture heart and passion we're going to get there as we talk today
5: is that question framed more so is what's unique about your church and other church because Pretty much. Thinking of I it, mean, there's things that we do as our church, but obviously, I don't want to sit here and list off all the stuff that we do. And it right. Comes, it almost comes—it's a humble brag type of thing. You know, right. Our church does this, our church does
1: that. So the so the so for instance, my first church I served at, um, we did soup kitchen. One night during the week, and or one one day during the week, we would do it, and we would host the homeless in the community to come eat. And when I first started there, I thought, man, this is an incredible ministry. But I realized the only thing that we were doing was bringing people in and feeding them. We were really just making their journey to hell a little bit more comfortable, right? We had no conversations with them surrounding salvation. It was just made us feel good to give you beans and cornbread, right? So um, the community really wouldn't miss that meal because you would hear them talk, hey, is today First Baptist today? Or is it First Methodist today? Or is it Rosemont today? So, because there's just, every church in town takes a different day to do that, which is phenomenal. But if every church in town, of all they do is give cornbread and beans, and they don't have conversations about salvation, then you're really just providing free lunch for everybody during the week. And there's really no, there's physical needs being met, there's no spiritual needs being met. So nobody's gonna miss that. There's just gonna be hungry homeless people, but really nobody's gonna miss that, right? So, more more than that, the first church I served at had a free dental clinic. And that dental clinic is incredible. And they not only have spiritual conversations with people, but they provide free dental care, extracting teeth, taking care of people that are just in horrible, horrible situations, and they do it every Thursday night, and there are some of the most salt of the earth people you've ever met in your life that are down there. And if we were to close our door, if they were to close their doors tomorrow, there would be a huge need in the community that would not be being met, right? So that is a unique thing because we had a bunch of dentists who were passionate about sharing the gospel And so what they did was they took old equipment, put it in a basement, and that became something where it got off. So it wasn't that the leader of the ministry was saying, hey, you know what would be great? I see all you dentists in here. Why don't you guys volunteer all your time pro bono and give us some equipment and then you run this ministry? That wasn't what it was. It was was our people, right? and so that's really the question right so the uniqueness of your church so what do you offer so i'd imagine that nobody else is probably doing upward right now so y'all are doing upward and you're having spiritual conversations and is there a big rec department yes we do
6: have a yeah
1: so there's a rec department and that but, but that <laughs> would be missed right so you've got because upwards cost is a lot lower and so there's families that can't afford direct apartment, and so there's, so there's an there's a opportunity there, right? So just think about it in that terms. Maybe that'll help you guys. The uniqueness of your church. What is unique about your church that the community would miss? So last week I had a guy tell me in Jonesboro, we were up there, um, that the church would miss the prayers. And I think, absolutely, because prayers matter, right? And, and, uh, and the power of prayer is unbelievable. The thing I challenged him to do by the end of it was, man, let them know you're praying for them. Go ask them what you specifically can pray for them about, right? Because it's one thing if you're praying for people, it's another thing, it, and it doesn't make them more powerful if they know you're praying, but the opportunity for a spiritual conversation now presents itself, right? I can pray for you all day long in your parent ministry, but. If all I do is sit in Lagrange and pray for you, and I never call you, and I never encourage you, and I never let you know, like it's just a different thing, right? It's a relationship, it's a relationship thing. Oh,
3: could I say something? Oh, mm-hmm. um, I know ever so often. I think it's when i start doing more. Um, like the first scrimmage game that our football team had at school, we brought in all the football players and we got them. Uh, that night for dinner um uh, they got to eat a dinner a good dinner and we had all kinds of uh, desserts and stuff for them they certainly couldn't have but um uh, but they had to stay and listen to the uh, sermon too mm-hmm. you know so our pastor he got to read really bring the gospel um uh, but i think what really hit those football players more than anything else is a bunch of those ladies stood outside the door when they started to leave and every one of us hugged every one of them you know it might have been the only hug that child ever got in a long time yep but we told them we loved it, and we hugged every one of them and oh uh, you know and i think they would miss that i really do yeah,
1: absolutely i agree we're doing we're feeding the football team on friday that's fantastic and uh and we're doing the band i think the next week so band kids band kids matter too for sure um well so i can remember uh my first day of bible college class i can remember sitting in in the room and the teacher was just kind of going over his syllabus with us and it was this class called the journey from text to translations and so it was depended on his energy level if you were gonna fall asleep that day or not. I mean, it was, it was, it, was in, it was interesting, but it was it was also really just very monotone and it kept going. But this day in particular, uh, he was going through the syllabus, but there was 30 of us in the class and he stood all of us up and didn't frame it any kind of way, didn't give us any kind of context, but the 30 of us were standing at the beginning of the syllabus and all throughout the syllabus, he would come over and grab three or four of us and tell us to sit. But he wouldn't really he, the whole class not telling us why by the end of the class by the end of our hour together two people were standing i was not one of them and the rest of everybody was sitting down and we're all not really paying attention to the syllabus because we're trying to figure out what he has been doing this whole time if it was some kind of like he just picked his two favorites or what was going on and so he asked us at the end of it he said does anybody know what i've just done and We said nobody has any idea he said i was proving statistically in 10 years two of you will be left in ministry 28 of you will not be and so 20 years it's incredible right and and just any amount of time to me it has been like this mental milestone for me to get to 10 years and I've just, I've so badly, so desperately from that moment, that was like my first couple months in ministry, just wanting to get to that 10 year mark. And um, I'll tell you that there have been times, I'm sure that you guys can understand this and agree with this, that uh, there's been times, and so March will be 10 years for me. And there have been times where I didn't think I was gonna make that mark. Where there have been kids who have been so horrible. Or situations that have been so terrible, or parents that have been just unbearable, um, or situations where they're just difficult, and they're hard, and they and they challenge you and they push you to a point where you—is it worth it? Right? You have those, you have those thoughts, you have those questions, man. Is this really worth it? Me having to be the bad guy all the time, or whatever the case may be—is it—is it worth it? and like I talked about that sixth grade Sunday school teacher, I remember we went to Centrifuge and it was 3 a.m. and he shows up and I'm in a room that I'm not supposed to be in and I'm playing poker with a bunch of older kids and we had just been over there hanging out and unbeknownst to me, he had came to the room to check on me to see how my day was and I wasn't there and so he looked for me from 11 till about three and finally found me I had no idea the whole campus at Carson Newman was like on this lockdown looking for a group of kids and uh, I can remember he he took me out in the hall and he just he gave it to me and he was like we're putting you on a bus first thing in the morning and then I'll lose it and I'm like my dad's gonna kill me when I get home and so there's just this whole I'm sure in that moment he thought man this kid this isn't worth it like I've been up all day at camp and now i'm just i'm gonna get three hours of sleep and i gotta do this all again tomorrow like there's moments where it's like man this just isn't worth it this is not worth it and so i want to tell you if nobody else has told you i tell you all all that to say if no one else has told you this in uh in your time the past two days or maybe you just did the one day but if no one has told you this i just want to say thank you um and I, i really mean that i don't want that to just be Filler, like hearing you talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas when these kid when all of the kids that are here domestically get to go home and all the foreign exchange students and kids from, from out of the country are just sitting here by themselves. Like they hear you and your wife talk about just the opportunity that you have to love on them and to give them the gospel and give them family. Like that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. And so what you guys do matters. Um, what you guys do matters. And from from volunteering, to leading a ministry, to pastoring, to whatever, uh, it is an unbelievable privilege and opportunity to do what we get to do for a living, but it is heavy. And uh, I think in the past 11 weeks, I've noticed that more than any other time in my life. Uh, Just the weight of now having a daughter, it's changed my understanding of what I do even more uh, I thought that I understood the weight because I've always loved these kids and but now it's like oh, it just hits a different way it hits a different way but I just want to say thank you and uh, if I can be an encouragement to you guys as you continue in ministry, as you continue in serving, if you have a question if you have something that you just need to shout at somebody please call me please text me Um, I'll give you my number before we leave here today, I'll give you my email, like if I can be a resource, I would love to do that Uh, because I have a heart not just for students but for student ministry leaders Um, and and if I can ever be a resource for you, please call. Um, But I want to um, challenge you with a JD Greer. You can write this down, too. I think this is fantastic. We have this written in our church, uh, in our student building. This is something he says. It's do something you love for the glory of God. Do something you love for the glory of God. Somewhere strategic for the mission of God. So do something you love for the glory of God, somewhere strategic for the mission of God. And that really is, that in addition to this question is really what frames where we go. And it's really about um, leveraging your uniqueness, right? right? What unique opportunities do you have as a church, as an individual? What unique opportunities really stand before you? And before you even get to that point, you start with Genesis 1 verse 27, right? The very first chapter of the Bible, verse 27. So God has spent this time in the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth, the spirit of God hovers over the face of the deep. And then you see God strategically planning and putting in place all of these things that need each other to survive, right? And so he creates light, he creates all of these things strategically And then in verse 27 comes us, right? And so verse 27 is that, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God, God created them man and female. All right, so the first thing that I really want us to stop to consider, I know we've read this, if we've been in church, we've read this over and over and over again, but there's something that should strike us differently about this verse every time is that God did something with us that he did not do for the rest of his creation. Right? God took the time to create us in his image. And nothing else that he created can claim that. Which places upon us not only the ability to be Christ image bearers in the world, and reflections of him in the world but God created us intentionally unique with that privilege which means people matter right should tell if nothing else it tells us people matter the people that we like the people that we don't like right they matter Ephesians 2:10 says that for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do the work He's prepared in advance for us to do. Some of your translations will say craftsmanship, handiwork, masterpiece, but I think the the coolest one is, um, and I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big Greek person, but the word there, um, forgive my pronunciation, but basically sounds like poem, right? Which sounds like poem, which is a beautifully crafted. Masterpiece. It's a story. It's something that God has intentionally done, right? He's intentionally placed those things together. And so I, I love to think of, of God writing your story like this beautiful poem, right? It's this masterpiece. So God has intentionally created people. People matter. Uh, truth number two, God considers us some of his best work, right? handiwork, craftsmanship, masterpiece. All of those things are things that we would associate with our best work. So God created us as some of his best work. And number three, we were created for good works that are unique to us. Which means that every single one of us in this room is created not only in the unique image of God, but in a unique way within that image to do things that no one else has been gifted to do. Which leads us to a place where when we are made right with God through faith in Jesus and salvation, God is not only brought reconciliation from us to Himself, but God has restored us to a right relationship not only with Himself, but with each other. and He's placed us within this family that He calls the church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 18, talks about how God arranges the members of the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, what would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the, body, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So number one is that God created us not only uniquely, but God uniquely created us to fit together within the church, and so the church matters, but we are better together. God's strategic in gifting his people and placing them together And here's the the big thing that I want us to focus in on for a second, is that because of that, everyone has something to contribute. And I I want you guys to write that down, because that's not always easy, right? Everyone has something to contribute. So I can remember in uh, Tennessee, in a church I served at in Tennessee, we had a ministry fair and we had people come and that were interested in different ministries and you would they would basically give you their name and number and then you would call them during the week and you would say hey um i'm john oliver i'm the student pastor i wanted to talk to you i saw that you were interested in serving in student ministry i want to talk to you about a couple opportunities that we have and this woman in particular was really just not nice like she was just she was she had some hard edges she had a really she was just really, really difficult to work with. And what I wanted to do was find a way to make an excuse not to keep her. Honestly. Because it was just gonna be a headache that I didn't want to have to deal with. And I went to our ministry coordinator and I said, Hey, will you please help me be strategic and figuring out a way I can tell this person no? Like that's just me being honest. I didn't want them, I didn't want them anywhere around it. And so she looked me dead in the eyes and she said i want to tell you that your job as the pastor of this ministry is not to tell her no it's to figure out how she can serve in this ministry because it's your job to equip her for ministry and i was a little upset and i left because that wasn't what i wanted to hear and then i got in my office and i started brainstorming and i started started thinking you know what she's right this person has been uniquely gifted by god Let's see if they fit. So I met with her. I thought, with her. We figured out, you know, maybe the best place for you to start is just going to be in a welcome capacity. You know, so she was willing in her late 70s to sit down with me and learn how to use our iPad check-in system. So that was humbling to me that she was willing to sit down and learn a new technology to be able to serve in our ministry. And she sat down and for three weeks, she did it. And she came to me and she said, hey, I love the kids, but I hate this. And thank you for giving me the opportunity, but I think I'm gonna find something else. So what that did was, number one, it challenged me that A, everyone has something to contribute, and B, she ended up finding a place that she still to this day serves that she would not have found and if I, if I would've just told her no, right? If I would've just said, no, you can't be here, she would've not found it. So it's our job to help people find their place. So that leads us to these three words. Culture, heart, and passion. All right, now when I say culture, I mean the culture of your community. The culture of your community. When I say heart, I mean the heart of your people. And when I say passion, I mean personal passions right so you have the culture of your community you have the heart of your people and your personal passion when you think in ministry in these three terms it really unlocks the uniqueness of your church to serve in a way that the community would miss if they closed their doors tomorrow so if you think about ministry in these three ways it's really going to i believe unlock some potential for you in community engagement and ways that make you unique you're gonna be able to leverage your influence for the gospel in your community and around the world because of the way that you think about these three things. So culture of the community. So I joke with people all the time in LaGrange, we have this restaurant called Charlie Joseph's. It's been there since 1920. They've served hot dogs, right? They're $6 if you go there and they're tear. I mean, they're like, they're great. What are they, $5? We're not getting out of there without spending 25 bucks. They're little gray weenies in a steamed bun and they're covered in stuff. That's not all beef. (laughs) Beef doesn't turn gray. I mean, that's just, it's just a, it's an interesting situation. The reason I like them is because I've grown up on them. Right? But when I bring people in from out of town and take them to eat there, they're not real thrilled (laughs) with a gray weenie on a steamed bun because it's not their culture. Right? It's not what they grew up with. It's not what they know. It's not what they love. And so culture matters, right? When we went to Tennessee, there was a place across the street from the church. And they or the, the church always ordered their pizza from this place called Ziggy's, right? Well, Ziggy thought a lot about his pizza, which was not nice to my youth ministry budget. He wanted $20 a pizza when I could go up the street to Little Caesars and I could pay five. But Ziggy went to church. So Ziggy got $20 a pizza. Because when I made the shift, people weren't happy about it, right? So I failed to understand our culture in that moment, right? Culture sometimes costs you because it doesn't really make sense, but that's what you do, right? So all that to say, another thing is like, um, so in LaGrange, probably 85 to 90% of the people that served under me were conservative, Christian, Republican, or independent. When I moved to Nashville, the um, majority of the people that served with me were more liberal in their theology, liberal in their politics, and probably lean more democratic. I don't care, but that is different. Serving in that context compared to a context I'd served in for six years was different. The conversations that you have, the approaches that you need, all of those things are different. The ways that schools interact, So why does LaGrange and Troop High School hate each other? Why do you not want to hire this person because they graduated from this school, right? Those things are things that you hopefully, in your context, understand, right? You understand why this business is not a good place to get t-shirts from. You understand why this place is probably not the best place to take for a mission opportunity out and like evangelism in the park. You understand, like, if you understand your community The culture of your community matters, what you can and what you can't do. But the most important thing is if you understand your community, you see unique opportunities that no one else sees. Right? You see unique opportunities that nobody else sees. Which is the heart of the people. The heart of your people will always impact more than expensive events. The heart of your people will always impact more than money, right? It's the idea of giving a football player a hug when they leave after they've been given the gospel. That's the heart of your people, right? The heart of your people will always impact more than expensive events. So the heart of your people, ministry that is unique to your church, Right, so I'm not talking about in that sense. Well, my church goes to Guatemala and the church across town goes to Haiti. Those aren't the kind of unique mission opportunities that I'm speaking of. What I mean is you have dentists that go to your church that have a desire to share the gospel and you sit across the table from them and you dream of a way where they can do dentist dentist ministry in a way that leverages their gifting for the gospel Right? It's the do something you love for the glory of God somewhere strategic for the mission of God. It's when your wife and you move from Brazil and you open up your home at Thanksgiving. It, that, is the pat, that is the heart of the people. Right, That is a unique opportunity at your church now because you've brought it there. Right, We have a, an oil mechanic at our church who wanted... I guess I think he grew up with a single mother was the heart of it. And so he sat down with our missions pastor and I and he said, I have a desire that we would give free oil changes to mothers, to single mothers. And that while we're changing their oil, they would be having gospel conversations in the hall down the hallway down there with other women who understand their unique situation. So where we're not just changing their oil but we're having eternal conversations with them, right? So that is unique. Um, We have another lady, her name's Pam Sewell, and Pam grew up in a very poor, poor um, uh, trailer park, and she didn't have a laundry room, and so she grew up going to the laundromat on the weekend. And so she would take her change over there, and she would hope to find change sometimes on her way over there, and so her her biggest thing is she likes to go from eight to 11 every Saturday morning with a bucket full of change and she she asks people if I pay for your drying cycle can I talk to you she has led so many people to the lord because she just pays for their dry cycle i think she takes like 5 dollars in quarters our student ministry's joined in with her we go sometimes, we have conversations with her, or we go hang out. Now, you don't want to overwhelm the laundromat where people walk in and you've got 50 middle schoolers in there and it's like, let me wash your clothes. But, um, like, it gets a little weird. But all that to say, local ministry started by the heart of your people. Right? And you don't have to be at everything. Right? You don't have to be at everything. And when you don't have to be at everything, that makes room for your personal passion right which is where you're going to get energy which is where you're going to get to continue to thrive and to serve and to do those things and so before you leave today I want to challenge you just to begin brainstorming what is the heart of your people people in your church that maybe aren't serving right now You know, we talk about the need for volunteers. Man, that's every every single church, we need volunteers. But a lot of times I think if we can find something that they love to do, and we can show them that they can love to do that and glorify Jesus at the same time, they just don't know how to connect the dots. But if we can connect those dots with them, right? We can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If we can connect those dots with them, That we're going to have a unique opportunity in our community and what will end up happening i hope is that our churches don't really look like programs like our programs are great right we want to keep doing programs but that that doesn't really the programs are not what identify us as much as the heart of our people the heart of our people that's really where our community misses if our if our doors are closed So personal passions for me, um, because I have other ministry leaders, so another one of my student ministry leaders, um, she has a desire, she's served in um, education for um, like 30, 35 years. And now she has moved over to the school board and she's decreased her hours and she's, um, it's freed her up for more ministry. But there's a place in our town called Calumet Park. Calumet Park is a really rough part of town But because of her relationship with students for 35 years, she had a unique opportunity to step into that community, part of the community, and have street credit. She had full street credit, and they let her do anything she wanted to do because she was Miss Pam. And everybody loves Miss Pam. And so Miss Pam started a backyard Bible club. She bought a small little trailer hooked it onto the back of her little SUV, filled it with arts and crafts and little cheap Bibles, and she has students and adults that go meet her, and they'll cook hot dogs and hamburgers, and they'll just hang out, and they do a backyard Bible club, right? And they take a lot of the old VBS curriculum and all a lot of the old VBS stuff, and they, they take it every year. So they're constantly getting fresh stuff, and they're getting kids on campus, right? Another one of our guys, his name is Chance Clark Carlisle, He's got an old church van, and he lives in backwoods Pine Mountain, and he goes up there and he goes door to door to door to door to door, and just prays with pet families, prays with people, and sees what needs they have. And he hosts little three-on-three basketball tournaments, and he's like the least athletic dude you'll ever meet in your life, but he can coordinate a basketball tournament, and he's got credit with them. And so they come, and then he shares the gospel, and then he takes them home and now he's bringing them to church. And so I've got this youth ministry that is probably 90%, It was 100% white a year ago, and it's now 90% white. Right, we're, he's bringing in the community, he's bringing the community to us, and it's because of the heart of the people, not because of a program. And then for me, what it's equipped me to do is I can support them. As the ministry leader, I can support them, and I can, I can come alongside, and I can encourage them, and I can ask what they need from me Right, other than prayer. What do you need from me? But it's freed me up to my personal passion. So when I got done with high school, I went and played college football and, uh, in Florida. And then when I, so when I moved home and I wasn't playing football anymore, that was, that was a thing for me that was, that was difficult. I wanted to still be around the team. I wanted to be around the coaches. I wanted to be around all that. And when I first started, it was just I wanted to be around the players because the players, I was still close in their age. But now, I'm closer to the coach's age. And what I have found in almost 10 years is that I want to spend my time influencing influencers. And so we started a coach's prayer breakfast. I can't do every school, but I can do one school. And so I had a unique opportunity at the school I graduated from to start there. And so we went in, went with a football coach. That has started growing slowly. Right, it's a slow process, and it's sometimes it's sometimes he'll text me the night before, and he say, "Man, I dropped the ball this week. Hey, I dropped the ball this month. Can we try it again next month?" And you just have to, you don't, you. I can't get on to him because it's a privilege that he's letting me in the circle. Right, I can't come at him and say, "You stupid dude! Like, why? How did you forget? Like, I have been looking forward to this all month, and you just dropped the ball." Right? No, the appropriate response is, "Hey, man, so." you're pretty busy right now, I get that. How can I come along and encourage you in the middle of this season of busyness? Right, how can I How can I help you so that next month when we come together, you're feeling a lot less stressed, you're feeling better, right? So that's the appropriate response for me and that's things that I've had to learn because when I first started it, I would say, "'Dude, how could you forget?' Right, and that wasn't the right response. That closes more doors than it opens. Um, But for me that's been a big thing and and so that has led not only me to want to influence leaders in the community but I want to grow leaders within my church. And so my time this year I'm dedicating to lead leaders not only out of the church but in the church. And I've never really dedicated a lot of time to that. I was challenged a couple years ago I had the opportunity for for Mike and Ricky and Doug Couch, if you remember him, I had the opportunity to go and, and lead a session at Conclave over the philosophy of student ministry. And I realized 45 people in Chattanooga, Tennessee from all over the Southeast had just heard my philosophy, but my own people had not. And so there was, a big, there was a big problem there. <laughs> the, for, the, the people I had leading for me at home needed to hear that way before people heard it in Tennessee, right? So, the biggest thing that I want you guys to, to really focus in on is what are the unique opportunities in my culture? Right? The culture of my community, what are, what are the unique opportunities in my culture? After that, what are the unique opportunities with my people? What is the heart of my people? Do any of those connect? Right? If they do, great. But oftentimes what you'll find is there may be a pre-existing ministry that someone in your church needs to connect to but they don't know about it. Or you just created a new opportunity within the within the context of your church or community. And then you're gonna go back to being able to support and lead them but also be able to serve within your passion. You're gonna get energy and it's gonna keep you from hopefully experiencing burnout. That is a very, very real thing. And you'll I, I think when we when we are serving in our passion, we are less likely to ask the question of if it is it worth it? When we're serving in other people's passion, we always ask the question, is it worth it? And usually that answer is no. Have I got any questions, challenges for me?
4: I got a question. You said you uh, feed the football team? Yep. So we've been doing that, and uh, over the last couple weeks, we've had 37 students come to the board. That's awesome. So our our trouble is is getting them to come. So how do you do that where you're at?
1: So right now, I don't have a good answer for that as far as getting them in there, honestly. That was really kind of one of the things that triggered us to uh, influence the coaches a little bit more. Uh, was so that we could connect them with those coaches and then hopefully inspire the coaches to let them go a little bit earlier on Wednesdays. <laughs> um, what has kind of resulted in that is um, they are willing to bring the team twice a year to our Sunday services. And um, so we went from nothing to something. So, you know, So I would say that could be somewhere to start. Um, Invite them all to come on a Sunday so that the church can pray for them as the season's kind of getting underway. And then maybe feed them after service and have some people get connected. But that's just something I would say. But, um, and it could be too that there may be a bus driver that's willing to take some, take a little extra cash to pick somebody up. Maybe there's a volunteer to do it. But to bring them from after practice to the church and then their parents can just pick them up from either the church or back at the practice facility uh, i've seen other churches do that
3: our coaches is doing that they're going from church to church taking the volunteers every Sunday to a different church
1: which is great right um, but i think you know hopefully what you'd hope is that they kind of settle in somewhere and, and right. really Connect.
3: But we're too we're uh coming up, we're planning on inviting a book off there or whatever, band, whoever and their parents mm-hmm. to a meeting.
1: Yeah, that'd be fantastic.
3: So we can kind of connect with the parents as well.
1: Back to y'all, the the thirty seven that have come to know the Lord and that's incredible. Yeah. Um, maybe the answer is not so much getting them to come right now, but getting them resourced, you know. Um, so FCA has some pretty incredible free stuff available. Um, Do y'all have a regional coordinator for FCA in the town?
4: Yeah, it's actually here in Statesboro. We just kind of got connected with a Jordan Southern Yeah and uh, hopefully in their portal we'll start connecting more of that. Um, we've just given usage of a building that's on campus um, that we're slowly working on tables and chairs and kind of a feed them and give them a place to go to. Yeah. Uh, they do devotions, breakfast, and then, you know, hopefully open we'll it up to more than teams. Yeah. Um, so, kind of thought avenue was once that starts getting them, you know, um,
1: almost like a fifth quarter type deal yeah
4: yeah um and we have a lot of hungry kids i mean there's no it's uh it's um we're only 13 miles north of here we the city so um Florida's a little bit more community than statesboro is. um so we just trying to love them yeah just love them We're there um some of the kids uh and i never thought they were street credit but i, I have a bunch of them i walk them to and they high five, and you just have a simple hug and loving on them, and you know, reach out to I me. Mean, I'm a police officer, and I come yeah. here and The only reason I do the police officer part is so I can't go to school, so I can It's a God's blessed me, it's only a twice a month job, yeah. twice a night, two nights a month job, and it's really to, to see those kids, to love on them, and to show there's a different avenue, and there's better, yeah. You know, so uh, God's provided, hopefully, through that way of bringing. Uh, our youth pastor, our pastor, and just different community, we can hopefully start filtering for the church and even create a blessed ministry out of that spot. And we're very blessed we've got an admin that's for us, that's helping us. And, yeah, uh, that's huge. Yeah. You know? um, so we, we're trying, we just keep pushing the prime and, um, and God's provided avenues, so we just have to stay faithful.
1: Yeah. I Man, that sounds like you guys are really on the right track. So, I'd love to connect with y'all to see how, over the course of the season, it continues to flush itself out. And so, is that building they're letting y'all use? Is that on sh- school campus?
4: Uh, it it's right behind the football field. It's on campus. Yeah. yeah. And, and what? And I guess the thing is, I was on the booster club president. I was quitting it this year, and I had prayed about not stopping, it. and what I it was doing doing them justice of doing it. So. I stayed, and I said, "If I'm for the kids, I'm for the kids." Yeah. So I stayed, and, and thankfully I did. I said, "God, oh, really wanted me to do this happen." You know, I've got, I've got to move on. Or we got to do something different, and, and so I just reached out and said, "Hey, this is what I want to do." And they said, "Well, as long as you can fund it, you can handle it." You handle it. And uh, so being there, I get, uh, I said, "Street credit with the kids, and, and uh, they tell me their needs, and and we handed out." 30 Bibles last year. Two kids come up and so say, man, nobody's ever never given us anything like this. And yeah. one still totes it to this day. So, you know, um, it's just finding a creative avenue. Yep.
1: So. Sometimes you can even leverage your Gideon, local Gideon ministry to get free Bibles. I, I love the Gideons, but I would stay away from having them come in and talk. Yeah. Unless you have one that's really engaging. Otherwise they're just better for your adults, but. Um,
4: if anybody's
1: looking, we get them from Bibles in Bulk. We get
4: the ESV paperback full-weight um, for 99 cents. It's a full-size Bible. I'm about to take a note. Bibles in Bulk? Bibles in Bulk, yeah. Spanish or English. Or Spanish or English. The soccer season's coming upon us, so we are hoping we'll feed them, and that's our biggest by numbers um, sport right now. <laughs> and
3: there's a group too of our church uh, I think i a little bit younger folks than we are uh, they have a thing after the game it's called Friday Night Live they get to come back to our church it's their choice if they want to come back but they have food for them after, after the game and all this kind of stuff you know, yep. that they can spend one on one time
1: that's fantastic. I'm going um, to write my number down over here for you guys. And y'all just shoot me a text with your, your name and kind of where you're at. Biggest thing for me, so when I first came in, when I first came into the ministry here, I was kind of in a unique position. So again, this is the church I grew up at. So a lot of my my youth leaders growing up are now my youth parents. And some of them are still youth leaders for me. And so I thought for a little while, I was like, man, it's gonna be kind of challenging because are they gonna still look at me and see this stupid 16 year old that got arrested? Or are they gonna see You know, this guy that's been in ministry almost 10 years that that has known what he's doing and is doing doing the right things. And for me, they have given me the benefit of the doubt that I know what I'm doing. So for me, what I just try to do is I try to touch base with them once a week, um, outside of Sundays and Wednesdays. And I try to break it up where my Sunday leaders, I contact Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning. My Wednesday leaders, I'll contact like Thursday, Friday. So just try to call them and say, hey, how was your group last night? Did you see anything? uh, Kind of unusual. And so now, because we've done that over the course of the last year, a lot of them are ready for those conversations where, um, perfect example, this past Thursday, I called one and they said, hey, did you see Anna last night? And I said, yes, I did. It was a little concerning. I talked to her for a little bit. And she said, well, I talked to her for about 20 minutes and I really think it's time to talk to her mom about counseling. So, like, okay. So I called mom and mom said, I had no idea. She hasn't been doing that at home. She's just in the middle of this divorce. And so she's not really paying enough attention because she's in the middle of this horrible heartbreak, but her daughter is dying over this. So um, where those conversations weren't happening before, getting opportunities to talk about, hey, what's going on with this student, this student, this student. So it's staying, it's keeping them encouraged. And then I, then I was able to follow back up with Lee and say, hey Lee, thank you so much for that information when we talked earlier today. I want you to know that her mom is actively speaking with some people to get her plugged into counseling. And like that could have saved her life. You know, I had five students last year who were suicidal, either attempted or said that they had planned to. And we were able to get them uh, get them the right help. I think that's just a, it's been a reminder that students have a lot going on. And they have a lot pulling at them and a lot of times the information they're processing with has the wrong filter on it. And we have an opportunity to give them the right filter. But it's hard. Yeah, that's a big thing. And then this year with Leader Development 2, we're starting, uh, I typically don't like like, the regimented stuff, so I'm trying to find a balance. But uh, Ministry Grid offers some free training. Well, not free training. It's $400 for the year. Uh, But Ministry Grid offers some training that you can do with your leaders where you can go in and kind of customize options on what you want, like, So Ben Trueblood and John Paul Basham and Andy McLean handle the student ministry stuff. Uh, They're all the guys that do Lifeway student ministry, which are, they're great dudes. And they're not just people that are running the ministry and they've never been in student ministry. Like those are guys that were in student ministry for 20, 25 years. Um, So they know the world and they give you really practical advice. and so. We are actually launching into doing those videos with our leaders. Cause I found when I got there, of the leaders I have, I have some leaders that are in their 60s, and I have some leaders that are in that are 18, fresh out of school, that are working with middle schoolers, you know. And some of them have little kids, and some of them have high school age kids, and some of them don't have kids in the house anymore. And some of them don't have kids at all. And so to put them all in a room at lunch and say, hey, let's fellowship and talk about life doesn't really work when there's not 80 kids running around or 100 kids running around because the whole reason they're in a room together is because of those kids. So then the whole context of that meeting becomes kind of pointless because these people are frustrated because these babies won't shut up and these people are frustrated because they've got to get somewhere to get their kids somewhere, you know, and then you, Undoubtedly, have that one leader who, no matter what you say, only came to the meeting because they want to say something that sparks a conversation that gets you totally off the rails. So then you spend your whole week saying, Well, man, I didn't, I don't think I got to talk to them about anything I actually wanted to talk to them about. And I, I, they probably didn't hear any of it, you know? So that kind of led us on a rabbit trail to say, Well, what would it look like for us to go a little bit more digital in our training? and then follow it up with personal one-on-one contact to say, hey, just curious, did you have a chance to listen to that five-minute video this week? What'd you think? Um, And then still get them together, but just be a little more creative about the ways you get them together, if that makes sense. Is that helpful? Anybody else? Okay, well let's... um, and pray for us again and then we will be uh, dismissed. Thank you guys. I hope this has been, um, give you something to think about. And, um, please keep me updated ways that, that Kristen and I can be praying for you all and ways we can encourage you. I'd love to hear how that continues to, to work itself out. That sounds incredible. And, uh, I'm gonna talk to our pastor when we get back about college students.
2: Another thing we do Wednesday nights, uh, College students at our church have asked us to do a classroom Bible study, and I, my wife and I, were really taken aback by the I don't know the, the, the weak spiritual foundation of these kids that grew up in church,
1: yep. and they're going into a,
2: a decadent post-Christian culture in college. And uh, when they get confronted by somebody who asks, "Why do you believe what you believe?" that answer should come quickly, but it doesn't. And uh, we just started with the basics. Tell me, what do you? Tell me about the attributes of God. Tell me about the the Holy Spirit. Tell me about and, and what I see is a definite need for a small group or one-to-one discipleship, starting maybe in junior high school, because we can't let the kids go on to college race. Right. We all know how many kids lose their faith in college. And, uh, I have grandkids on.
1: It woke me up. I'm very thankful that that trend over the course of the last 15 years has dropped, like that percentage has dropped from kids walking away from the faith. It's still high but it's dropping. And I think it's because more people are seeing that. And I think the thing to remember is students are challenged all day long in school. Like I've got kids taking AP calculus. I didn't even touch calculus, you know? But they've got, we've got kids that are doing AP classes and they're being told, hey, you can, you're gonna do this equation and you're gonna write this problem and you're gonna write this essay and you're gonna do this. And then they come to church and we think, oh, that's just too much for them. I don't think they can handle that the maximum that you can expect from 90% of your people is the minimum that you allow because most will just do the minimum but the ten other percent will rise to the challenge and so why not raise the bar you know that's why I went complete I don't think there's anything wrong with topical messages I think I think they're great um, when but we just start I just started preaching through books of the Bible with our kids and it challenges me personally, because it makes me preach things I wouldn't typically do, um, but it also exposes them to, um, it also exposes them to scripture, and I don't have to leave at night thinking, man, did I, did I entertain them enough? Are they going to come back? The only question I'm asking is, did anybody die, and was I faithful to the text? And, I, and if I did, if nobody died and I was faithful to the text, it was a good night. So, um, But it took a while to get there. But I think you guys can always, students can always do more than we think that they can. And again, Jesus saw a lot of leadership potential in teenagers, and uh, and we should too. So, did I already pray, or I have not prayed? Let's pray. God, we love you, and uh, just thank you again for who you are, Lord, thank you for your son Jesus, and just for time we've had to be together, uh, for the privilege that we have to lock arms together, and. Uh, just to serve students, Lord, to serve students and to serve your bride. And God, just so thankful for uh, the men and women in this room, for the families they represent and the context that they come from. Lord, as we go into these uh, next days, months, years, uh, just pray your blessing over, uh, over us as we lead ministry, Lord, that you would bind our flesh and you would release your spirit and that you would do far more than we could ever Imagine, Lord. We know that you will. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.